Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 21 of Relating to DevSecOps, where we explore the development, security, and operational issues of today so we can explore real-world problems with people that face them. Kicking off our security operations conversation from last time, today we tackle a problem I think everyone runs into in their day-to-day, and that is application inventory. Where are your applications, and do you even know if you have any? Do you know where all of them are? Um, I'm one of your hosts, Ken Toller, and I'm joined again by Simon and Jameson so we can get their points of view on what makes a great app inventory and what problems we've faced um, throughout our careers. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, review, comment, and send us some feedback so we can continue to jump on the topics that you care about. So I personally love this topic because I think it's something that we rarely get right and there's always sort of meat on the bone to talk about. Uh, I think that there's always going to be something missing and something to look forward to with the advent of cloud and infrastructure as code and what makes an inventory an inventory and a complete inventory, I think, is constantly changing. Um, They say you can't protect what you don't know about, and hopefully we can shed some light on what all of us face in the app inventory land. So, guys, welcome back. Um, First, I want to take a look at why app inventory is important for each of us in our different roles and more to the point, what happens if it's wrong or if it doesn't have the right information. So um, Jameson, let's start with you, man. Um, What's important for you in an app inventory and what happens if someone gets it wrong? Um, I would say, I mean, as far as what's important, you know, there's a number of things. I think the thing that I always come back to with the app inventory is like, who is your audience, right? I want to try to cram as much information into whatever that is as possible so that any potential person that would need that data or any potential system that would need that data would be able to to get it or be able to query for it. Um, But yeah, I mean, as far as things that are um, like specific attributes, I mean, the like application name, having an authoritative name and not calling an application like three or four different things um, is important. Um, security classifications, uh, whether the application processes like PII data, um, like, you know, these are useful for the kind of security automation tools, um, you know, database information, dependent databases, uh, it's like kind of the more historically ops, things that ops would care about probably, right? Um, I tend to think of it less as like a specific environment. Um, like there's other ways of do- statically documenting that, right? Um, but yeah, I mean, like I, I would say like things that are known truths, right? That you're going to statically maintain, like that is the kind of things. Anything that's fairly static or, you know, it changing would be a relatively um, like big deal or even a, a little deal, I guess. But um, it would be um, like would be safe to put in there, though. Got it. I want to come back to the names thing because I have, you just reminded me of something, Uh, but Simon, your view on this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, It's really just guidance and direction. So, you know, I'm looking at a list of, um, let's say servers, environments. I want to be able to know one who who owns that, where does it belong to? Um, What sort of uptime are we talking about? What sort of, uh, you know, SLAs are these specific pieces of our ecosystem trying to, to maintain, um, where can I access logs? Um, or what services are shared the same, um, you know, maybe virtual environment, all these things basically combined so I can know just where things live, what happens if they go down. Um, and, and most importantly, who I can contact if I'm, if I'm uncomfortable with that, that system. 
Got it. So, um, you're, so when you say like where you can access logs and, um, like uptime and SLAs, are you talking about like a particular class of application in that inventory? Or you're saying that those things should be a part, the attributes of that inventory? I, I would love them to be attributes of that inventory. I, I think if you have, uh, you know, if you're talking about a list of, of X items that we're going to track um, as an inventory, it should have, you know, facts about these. How long are we expecting them to stay up? Who's the owner? Um, you know, what happens if they fail? I think these are all super important. And the more you, you know, borderline annotate um, your inventory, just, I, I think it's easier upkeep. It's it's almost auto-maintainable documentation. Um, yeah. Okay. Got it. All right. So for me, I mean, I think I agree with elements of, of that um, for, from both of you. Um, I definitely... I think that there are like some attributes that we could get too granular with in, in inventory for sure. But from the security side, ultimately what I want to know is one, like what I have, right? So um, the naming is is like a uh, you sort of like my my the prickles on my neck went up when uh, Jameson when you mentioned that because I was like, oh man, naming is such a good attribute to dig into, right? Um, two is just like what what risk level um, is associated with each asset um, and I know that I'm sort of muddling the line between app inventory and and um, and asset inventory but I think that like we st- sort of need to take both in in stride with with the conversation right like we need to understand um, that applications are assets but there are certain attributes of applications that um that we want to know that aren't just that just aren't going to be related to some of these other things i think part of the reason we have so much trouble there is because like apps like have this sort of ethereal nature which we we sort of touched on a little bit the conceptual like how an application fits into other components versus like what are the assets that are running that application and then how we when and how we look at those two different lenses um, from a security perspective. Like I need to know the sort of conceptual application, understanding upstream and downstream dependencies, for example, for me would be great. Like this application connects upstream to these applications and connects downstream to these applications, right? I, I don't think I've seen that like done well from a conceptual level. I think we're getting closer on like the asset inventory for that because I can see like, there's a lot of the service discovery stuff that we talked about connecting these two things back and forth that I'm like super excited about, but that conceptual side I'm missing. And I need that for like my testing, my risk analysis, threat modeling, things like that. But on the, um, on the other side, like from a response standpoint, I need to know like what's been pwned, how, when, like what is, what's involved with that. Um, and I need to know like what the risk classification of those are and like what data is contained in that. And risk classification is very business specific. So I think that that is something that changes depending on like what organization you're going to. Um, But naming. So vanity names versus like useful names, right? I think that is a conversation we can dig into. What are your thoughts there? You know, should we have these uh, like cute app names, you know, just so we can feel creative and and go and do that? Uh, Does that make sense? (laughs) Or... Should we do something that's like more, um, I know what I'm getting when I look at this application. Should we have both? What's that look like for you all? 
I mean, for me, it's it's like I really don't care the content of the name, right? As long as like you know the value is the same across everything, right? Calling an application two or three, four different things um, will ultimately lead to confusion, even just in discussion around that very application. Um, so it, it's really like for me, there should be authoritative name. Um, if you want to call it like a pet name, I guess that's fine. <laughs> but um, it, it's like, you know, when talking to users, when interacting with systems, like, you know, when tagging it as part of like a ta the tagging strategy or labeling it, you know, if you're, um, that, that should always be the same value. You like shouldn't have conflicting values for the same, um, same thing, so to speak. So consistency, basically. Consistency, indeed. I mean, you have a description field potentially, right, in whatever your app inventory is. Like, I think that's an excellent place to kind of actually give some of that business detail of like, hey, that's this is what this thing actually does. Um, but as far as the name, like the name should be one thing. Yeah, I can agree with that. Like how, like for me, it's, I, I don't mind creative names as long as there's an easy way for me to find out what that thing does. Exactly, yeah. You know? But I am used to like server names, you know, there's a lot of server naming conventions. You might have like a region and, um, you know, a number or something along those lines that gives you some information at a glance if you're looking at that from a host name or something like that. Um, but, you know, I see like um, Bobo the Clown app, you know, and I'm like, <laughs> what does this do? And you sort of like start to think, uh, you know, what does Bobo the Clown do? Like, what would he do in the organization? Okay, maybe he makes funny quotes or something and you're trying to figure out what this app does just based on the name. Uh, and I hate that like more than anything. And then you're like, you know, on your slacks, like trying to figure out, Hey, what does this app do? Oh, I don't, you know, cause I haven't tested this one yet. You know, I hate that. But I, again, I, I think, obviously I think it's a little bit harder for you, Ken, because you're, you're coming at it from the assessment perspective. Like you see something like taco cat, you have no idea what that does. And like, that's just going to be frustrating, but consistency is key. Uh, I've, I've seen it the other way around too, where you have, you know, Hey, we're not using any funny names or anything. We're going to stick to really specific things like application a, um, if you're not consistent, you know, you can have application a hyphen API, and then you get V2 and then you get hyphen next API. And then you just kind of run into the same thing. And you've got these convoluted names where I, I don't know, at least from my experience, when I've seen silly names, you get confused, you find out what it is, and there's usually a story behind it, and you never forget it. You find out that, you know, a taco cat is that cat that ate all the tacos in the break room, and the application was named after that cat or something, and then it just kind of sticks. But I, I can understand why it's incredibly frustrating <laughs> from your perspective. Yeah, I mean, I, I want to have some some sort of substance to every application name. Or if I don't, then there should be an easy place for me to go to that's like, here's the source of truth for all of the you know applications and here's what they do and here's here are the things that they talk to. I think for me, like my if I could get anything out of, you know, if I could say, hey, I need three things out of a, an inventory today, it would be what's the application, what does it do, what does it connect to upstream and downstream? I guess the first thing I'd want to know if I'm just like brand new to to an organization. And then all of the other stuff, risk rating, data classification, that like, can be added to that. But those things will always be valuable to me. And I think purpose, and you say, you know, what does what does this application do is the key there. I've, I've, I've 
kind of done this exercise in a few places where you have very an unclear set of maybe applications, maybe workflows, what have you, and they're all inappropriately named. It's usually a lot harder to change the name because it's going to be tied to so many things. Um, just adding some sort of label that says, what does this do um, makes it makes a world of difference. Yeah. Upstream and downstream stuff is much more complicated. I think I've run into, I mean, what is, what's a way that we can fix that? I'd be interested in your, in your all's take, right? Because, um, in more than one organization you come, you know, I've come in, Hey, what does this application connect to? And I might get like five different answers or similar answers from five different people. Oh, it connects to this. Oh, but it has this one call out to this API, you know, um, we just added it, you know, two or three days ago. How does, how, how, what's a good way to keep track of that? Do we, are there any ideas out there that help us to understand like where do, where do these applications, like where do their tendrils go? That's a really good question. Um, I, I don't know, off the top of my head, there's, I have a few ideas running around. I think that the hardest thing is maintenance um, and just keeping this, I mean, going outside of application inventory for a second, uh, just keeping track of what's going on. I, I could see this, you know, very intricate solution with some sort of like automation around distributed tracing where, you know, you have your requests kind of do the work for you where you have these outbound requests, inbound requests, somehow find a way to like pull those IDs and and kind of represent almost a lineage of our like ecosystem that requests as they go through. But I'm pretty sure that doesn't exist right now. So, I mean, I know, uh, Ken, we, we, I think we've spoke about this a little bit in the past. I mean, it, it starts to trend more into the territory of your APM, right? It's less about inventory at a certain point. Like if you're looking at how the system interacts at a, um, you know, at a live level, it's like that you have to start looking at your like instrumentation tools, right? And see, you know, how that all interacts. Um, I, I think like being able to do it cleanly from the business side without having access to that, like those types of visualizations, it, it comes back to like an architecture thing, right? Like how is your system designed? How are the interactions between the various uh, parts of your system? Like maybe you have, um, you know, like you broke your microservices into modules and like, so this module is a collection of services and like it kind of comes down to that and then understanding how those things interact. Um, but that's like very much more like a documentation exercise than necessarily I think you could overload an app inventory like that. It would just be way too much data. Yeah, the the instrumentation thing. Yeah, you know, we've talked about that in the past, and I think that that would, I think that there's like, I think connecting the dots, and the inventory being the, you know, the guide to do that, is is really what I'm looking for. So that if my instrumentation is saying, um, you know, that this application has made a request to you know X endpoint. That's something I can get out of my instrumentation tools. And then I, c I should be able to take that endpoint and tie it back from you know source and sync so that I can make those connections. And that should help to generate my application constellation. That's, that's sort of my dream, right? Is that from a security perspective that the APM works in tandem with uh, the underlying asset inventory, whether that's uh, you know service discovery or your servers or your physical assets, and is able to make okay, well, this application called this endpoint. The source was X. The destination was Y. You know, lo and behold, this application exists on X server, and the receiving application exists on Y server. Right? There is a connection between those two apps. I think the trouble is, and where I like 
am like I struggle is that there's really no way to ensure that the requests that you make from the requesting application are intentional or permanent. Right. So once you've built out that sort of spider web of all of these things that have that have happened through your APM, it's like, well, was that just some like arbitrary call? Um, you know, that somebody made uh, through the application? Or is that uh, like something that's going to last? Is that, you know, something that's in development? So what is, you know, what makes it the source of truth? And if you're just relying on requests made from the application or the server, you don't know if that was like something that's in development and someone made. You don't know if that's uh, like a manual request or not. All you know is that the source came from that particular server. It was instrumented and that the request hit, you know, X. So I think it's it's sort of good for profiling the application, but the inventory should be a source of truth. The intentional requests um, and the intentional connections between applications. I don't know if that makes any sense uh, to you, but I'm sort of rambling on it, but it's like not a fully formed thought in my head. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I agree with a lot of what you said there. Um, I think it depends on kind of what, like another, I agree it's not a source of truth, absolutely, right? Like you can never your security control should ensure that you don't have rogue um, calls in your environment, but like there is no like actual assurance in the instrumentation tool that like, I mean, I guess in some tools you could check, you know, you could sample how many times that request has been made before and everything, but like at surface level, like it is not a source of truth um, for that type of, you know, what's connected to what I think there's other tools, you know, or other systems that you might have configured in your environment that you can look at, like, you know, whatever you're using for, um api authentication right like if you're using oauth and you know you look at what uh scopes and and uh, like are defined on your various uh apis i think there's like stuff you can look at there but again like that is not a well-surfaced thing that like everyone in the business is going to be able to look at and say yeah that's how these things are connected like it's like it's a place you can find it but it, i think it's maybe i guess the, the problem there is you know surfacing that to like the business analyst level Right. It's almost like I want these, I want these behavior analytics or like the APM, in, the instrumentation and stuff for, for like a response mechanism so that if, the, if those things are happening, I can still trace it. I can, I can see the request happen and I can go down the path of like reacting to that, but I still need that source of truth. So it's like, is there a way to tie in that instrumentation, the requests to these applications to like an approval process of like, yes, this this request response should be happening between these two applications, but it's not noted in inventory. Like what's the best way to automate comparing those two values of here's what's happening in the real world and here's what we expect to happen and resolving that. Yeah, I mean, some of the APM vendors I think do this today, right? Like they show the connections between applications so you can understand kind of how everything's interconnected. Um, you know, that, that obviously is not everyone would necessarily have access to that tool. Hopefully they do, but I think that that's one way you can you know, start to identify these, these rogue connections. Yeah. I didn't realize that, uh, that folks were doing that. That's cool. I mean, if we can, it's like, if we could tie those, that alerting or something from a vendor that people are able to have back to the inventory and automate that in some way, that'd be great. Um, maybe something to dig into in a, in a future episode. Yeah, no, I mean, and I would say like the the thing there is that while it, it's a useful way of identifying these things, my my perspective is that it's like, it's almost too late, right? I mean, it is too late. You're in potentially in production at that point, right? Um, but, 
you know, like these are things like these rogue connections should be blocked in another way. Like they should be caught by, um, you know, like API security, whatever you have in place there. Um, you know, like security shouldn't be finding out um, so late in the process. But I mean, that's probably ideal world as opposed to reality. So, no, I mean, I agree with you that that they should absolutely be prevented if they if there is a rogue connection. But not all of them. I think my point is not all of them are rogue. Like. It's more that um, an application was built that needed to request a, another service that is internal and is known. I'm not saying like it's calling out to some known bad actor or something like that. I'm saying that someone establishes a connection with another internal service as an example, knowing that that service exists. Maybe they were on another application team and now they're coming back and they're you know, using that same service that wasn't integrated with application B. And so now they're interacting with it but they just know how to do that from their previous experience. And there might not be an approval process to go through that, but all of those, I think the way that we approach inventory now is through these approval processes and all these things have to sort of line together. And then you get to the APM, the instrumentation, and it's like, oh, I didn't know it was connecting that service. When did that happen? And so it's less about like, uh, you know, you want to enable engineering teams to use services that you've created, but you also want to know when they're planning to do that. And I think that definitely comes in the requirements phase. It's like when, you know, how do we get inventory as a part of that thing, right? So making sure that when a JIRA ticket is created, it goes through approval, that that is tracked somewhere and that the inventory is established earlier in the process, I think is where I'm, is where I'm going, as opposed to like, it's making some road connection to malware server somewhere at all. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I mean, yeah, that I, I still think like there should be more controls than that, but I know not every, like the, the company, I think back to like our service mesh conversation, right. Where you're establishing mutual TLS between, you know, your various services. It seems like you would know as part of however you're configuring your service mesh that, you know, these, services are interacting with each other. And maybe you, the configuration of your service mesh is driven off your app inventory and in your app inventory, you're establishing like those assertions that, you know, service X should talk to service Y. Um, and, and so like, I guess that's, yeah, that's potentially one way of, of looking at that. So. Yes, exactly. I mean, I think that that's sort of where I'm, uh, where I'm trying to get to, right. Is that when you are creating these tickets of new services, or you're going through your architecture conversations, that an establishment of that entity in the inventory is as a conceptual object is an essential part of that initial conversation that you can't just come up with these ideas for applications without like logging where that belongs in the overall architecture for your organization. Yeah. I'm I know that makes sense. And I guess my count or my, my question back at that would be at what point in time is it appropriate to record that information? No, that's a good point. I think that, ah, that is a good point. Um, because it's like, when is it experimental versus when is it like actually a thing? Yeah, exactly. So I guess the question is, do we have multiple inventories for, for this type of scenario? Or like what, because we're talking about a source of truth. Do we want to have everything in our, I guess you would have an inventory for each of your environments. So then it's like, what's your environment? Um, what, what, are the, what are your environments in your organizations? So if you like have a dev uh, staging production, uh, dev staging testing production, it probably makes sense that that's an essential part of your inventory of like what environment this is in. 
um, and what's appropriate to be experimental or not. Like maybe at some point we have those protective controls in your dev environment, expecting that you're not going to know everything. But in production, there should literally be like nothing that you don't know about before it gets like if something is discovered by your instrumentation layer uh, in production, there's a big problem. But if it happens in dev, it, maybe it's not a huge issue. Yeah, I was so I was thinking about it a little bit different. Like I, my my idea was more to keep the app inventory like very narrow, right, and not to um, like use it to determine my my uh, environment as opposed to use it as a source of truth. Right, like there's other tools out there, um, you know, especially like you know in the land of I, I know not everyone like you know the pets versus cattle thing, but like as you start to trend more into the world of cattle, right, like it starts to become you want to query for this information rather uh, rather than have this information documented, right? And so like this is where like tools like OS Query or Cube Query, um, you know, start to really become necessary, where I can craft these SQL statements that contain these key pieces of information like application name, environment name, like, and I and with that like you know SQL like query, I can find those things like hey, what are what servers are being used for this? What is like the load balance URLs for this, right? And I can I can kind of get that information. My, my thought on app inventory was more of like, what is the business side of this? Like what, like, yeah, like the, what are my known truths with it? And what is, what do I know is not going to change? Or if it does, like is part of a release, right? And so um, what, like the, the thing that I come back to with app inventory is like what you were saying, right? With at what point is it real? Like at what point is it, you know, coming out of the sandbox and going into a real environment? And at what point as a business do we need to start considering like, what does that mean, right? Like, what is the risk rating for that application? That's And that's the one that I get hung up on because it's easy to say that like, as soon as Simon thinks of an application, we're gonna put it in the app inventory, right? But I don't have my risk rating yet, right? And so like, how does that process get started? And like, like yeah, like what is the onboarding process? It's like more than just putting an entry in a table, right? It's, it's almost like, what is the whole business process around that? Yeah. No, I mean, I, I like I like the uh, the thing that I attached myself to it, it, as you were talking was the OS query thing, and then my brain sort of went into another direction while while you made the rest of your points. Um, but maybe I'll like circle back on those. But maybe you're right. Maybe the way to think of application inventory is not left to right. Maybe it's using things like OS query that will enable you to generate an active inventory at any moment. Like, I love that idea because that means that, like, I'm sort of getting both sides of it, right? That engineers can be rapid in their development, but they always have to, prov they always have to provision with the capability to be inventoried at a moment's notice. And that way, when security or operations goes to run that inventory, it's always accurate. Is that sort of where you were going? Yeah, exactly. Because, I mean, like, the list of the things that are running your application is is likely not going to be static, right? If it is today, at some point in the future, it won't be. Um, and so it, it's better, in, at least from my perspective, right? Like from the operation side, it's better to use these like known APIs that we have, right? Like even for the AWS tags, right? I can write a like um, like a JQ filter that you know filters for tags and like for a given resource in AWS, right? It's it's leveraging these native APIs that surface that information for me in real time, as opposed to you know trying to scrape together some documentation that's not going to be outdated in like a couple of days or a couple hours even. Okay, no, that I like that. I I really do. Um, so would you say, and this is what I think where your operations head is really helping me out here because. It's sort of like, tell me if I'm if I'm 
like in the right frame of mind from what you're saying. It's like rather than because you're always going to have this fallible manual process if you're trying to generate the inventory from left to right, that rather than ask the question, what do I need from a security perspective um, in all of these applications? It's what should I be able to query um, at a moment's notice, right? What should I be able to take from the entire infrastructure um, at any given point? And so, and that, that really helps like my, my, my mindset, because when we look at remediations, one of the things that we want to look at is how do we make remediation for vulnerabilities consistent? And so we develop, you know, known good ways of solving for a problem or an issue or a finding or a vulnerability. And so we can establish that. And that way we're looking for not the vulnerability, but the lack of the control. Right. So in the same way, if we're looking at the uh, application inventory, we're not looking at what information is missing. We're really just looking at, um, you know, my OS query agent is missing from, you know, all of these servers. And so I don't have to I don't have to go through each of these teams and say, oh, I need X, I need Y, I need Z, I need the risk classification, data classification. I just need to say you're missing the OS query thing um, and it's not able to get this information to me. And that, and that feeds so much into the way I, I think about requesting new applications. I mean, when when I'm thinking about that, application inventory doesn't come up first. It's, can I have access to make this application? And I don't think about, where is this going to be dropped in the world of, of this organization? So having, even if it's in dev, having some sort of scan that Ken could use that now says, hey, we've identified this new thing that didn't belong before, it might be in dev, you know, we're not really sure how it's going to integrate yet, but we can start having that conversation early so that when we get to, you know, production or staging, we actually understand what part of the ecosystem it'll take place in. Yeah. No, that, that, I, that's definitely my takeaway is, is trying to look at um, how can I pull information from my environment rather than how can I um, make sure that everything is in place before it gets to prod. So that's, that's sort of like where I'm, I'm landing here. Um, and I think that that for me is like a good place to sort of like break and then go and like generate some more questions for another episode. Uh, what about you all? Yeah, no, I mean, that, that sounds good. I mean, like the one last point I, I had was just more of like, you know, the, uh, I think what you said is perfect with this is, you know, the application inventory becomes more of what do I need to find those resources in the environment. And I guess that that feeds back into tagging strategy for me, right? Is that like organizationally, like having that tagging strategy um, will make, you know, onboarding any sort of tool like that, like immensely easier because you won't be doing all that retrofitting uh, later on. It's like, if you think about that upfront, then you, you save yourselves a lot of effort in the long run when you, you onboard all these other tools. Right. Yeah. I mean, and that's, that's sort of what I'm, what I'm getting at is like, I don't, I'm not ready to articulate it yet, but it's almost like there are elements of the tagging strategy that are going to be required for me to be able to pull that information, which like right now in my head looks very much like the same thing as generating requirements for an inventory, but it's, you know, the power behind those tags by establishing that early. And I think that you probably have less like attributes to worry about um, if you're, if you're like working on a tagging strategy versus like everything you need to know about an application. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah. Simon, any final words from you? 
think that was very well put. I think it, at least from product engineering, it's very easy to hone in on, you know, an application rather than its its effect on the rest of um, your inventory. So having, I don't know, I, I just, I think it's a really interesting take on how to keep track of that and how to keep tabs. No, I agree. And I think that, you know, I think it's a good place to end it because, you know, we're going to try to sort of dig into the operational aspect of applications as we move further into these episodes. Um, and I think application inventory for me is a really good place to start because it's something I feel like I'm always or at least consistently missing throughout engagements and, um, you know, working um, within environments is that it's always incomplete or missing something or you're always able to improve it. And so I think that this turns it um, turns it over in my head a little bit as a, as a way to approach it. So I think we'll end right there um, and, and continue this conversation in maybe a part two or uh, incorporate some of the lessons learned as we take this back uh, into a future topic. But um, with that, I think we'll, we'll wrap this episode up. Uh, thank you everyone for listening. Um, as always, if you want to get in touch with us, you can uh, reach out to us at our email security at r2dso.com. You can reach us in Twitter at r2dso and uh, always uh, at the website www.r2dso.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>